This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. From MPB Think Radio, this is Money Talks. Kevin Farrell here with Ryder Taft, Portfolio Manager at Due Perspectives. Ryder is a chartered financial analyst and holds the Certificate in Investment Performance Measurement from the CFA Institute. Interest rates for auto loans are incredibly low right now, so should you buy a new car? Are there new cars available to be bought? To help us answer these questions, our guest today is Ivan Drury from the vehicle information site Edmunds.com. And Ryder's here, ready to take your personal finance questions during this turbulent season. So contact us by email. Just send it to money at mpbonline.org. Good morning, Ryder. Hope you're doing well this morning. Good morning. How are you, Kevin? Uh, Hanging in there, doing it day by day like I think uh, most of us are. Uh, You know, I think for a lot of us, some days are better than others. uh, And sometimes I think all of us maybe need to just uh, check out and and don't follow the news so closely, not to be uninformed, but just to to give ourselves a break mentally, because sometimes it can be a bit uh, a bit depressing, I guess. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I find myself, um, you know, kind of early on, you know, I'd want to I'd want to see all the numbers. I'd want to see all the data. Um, and, and I still do want to see that, but I, I don't need to see that every day. I don't need to, you know, you don't need to look at something that you're going to start obsessing over, um, especially when you're, you know, kind of in your house and uh, you have a lot of maybe you have a lot of time uh, in the evenings if you're not doing anything else to obsess over the news. All right. So that's, um, and I, by the way, I would say, too, that uh, we, we talk about this in our, our medical show, Southern Remedy, all the time. F- folks need to take advantage and get out and walk around the block, do something, because, as you say, we're kind of confined to home for the most part, although things are beginning to loosen up a little bit. Uh, but to get out there, get some exercise, get some fresh air. I think that might help us all stay sane, that's for sure. Get out, get out in your garden. You know, that's a great activity, lots of things to take your mind uh, away there. All right. So financially speaking, what's been happening this week? Uh, well, so today the markets are up a little bit. I think, you know, we have the Federal Reserve starts their kind of um, their, their two-day meeting today. And so tomorrow we expect to hear from them what it's, you know, this is usually where they make decisions about, you know, the interest rates. Um, of course, they can, you know, do all manner of things. And of course, we had um, in mid March, they kind of had they had a an impromptu meeting, an unscheduled meeting, where they cut interest rates to basically zero. Uh, and then later on in March, they even emphasized that they were going to be buying more and more uh, corporate bonds. All of this, you know, and, and the Fed's Fed has a, a lot of tools, I think, but their really way of affecting the economy is just interest rates. You know, lower interest rates to make it easier for folks to get money, uh, so that people won't. Spend spend and invest, and that's how our economy grows. And so everything they do is to, you know, if they think the economy is bad or needs help, is to lower interest rates. And so that's what they did a lot of in March. I, I, I don't know if people are anticipating them, you know, pulling out bigger guns or what, um, but people are, you know, pretty upbeat about uh, the, the, the Federal Reserve meeting uh, for these next two days. Um, and I guess uh, the stimulus money, uh, with the, the uh, I can't remember the official name of it, but the checks uh, have been continuing to go out. An interesting story. A friend of mine yes. lives in California, and uh, he uh, and his partner uh, had had paid in uh, income tax this year, and he thought it was odd that the IRS had his bank account from which they took the money that was owed to the government, and yet they was not able to use that same uh, information to send back the stimulus, although 
he did go to the IRS website and, you know, mm-hmm. register it as, as you're supposed to. But we both thought it was somewhat odd that, you know, if they're sending you money, they knew your bank account, but why they couldn't use that same information when you sent them the money. We just seemed that that was unusual. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, when I was thinking about it, it's like, well, the IRS is the organization that has everyone's, you know, preferred payment on file. You know, they, they know if you prefer receiving a check or prefer receiving it in what bank account. Um, but, you know, obviously with, you know, however many taxpayers we have, you know, a hundred something million, um, then there's going to be something, you know, some people are going to get hung up somewhere. And that's why it took it took a, a long, a lot longer than anticipated for the money to get out. I think all of the money that is being sent directly to bank accounts has been sent out. That, that's I, I think that's correct. And they're starting to send out paper checks, which just, you know, if you've ever uh, tried to sit around while a long document is printing, you know that printing paper checks can take a while. Uh, lastly, uh, so uh, to, uh, yesterday, I believe it was, the uh, Mississippi has entered the first phase of slowly returning to normal economy-wise. Um, yeah. when, when would we be able to see if, if there are some upticks in the economy due to a little bit of these restrictions? When would we see that in reports and that sort of thing? Are there monthly type of reports on an economy, or, or are they more spread out? Well, there's, I mean, there are all sorts of reports. You know, of course, we get, you know, kind of employment figures. If people are going back to work, you know, we get um, numbers from new unemployment claims, um, you know, weekly. And, you know, uh, there's monthly surveys of the employment situation, which would give you a lot more detail. And that, you know, comes out, you know, uh, it it's looks back, you know, the month behind. So the, all of this happening at the very end of the month, it's unlikely um, because a lot of indicators that we have are on a monthly basis. It's unlikely that any of, a, of it would show up in the April data just because it's, you know, a few days of April. Um, but you would expect to see it in the May data, which we would get on uh, in June. Um, but there's always a lot of, you know, smaller indicators, you know, that, that come out weekly. Um, and then there's, of course, you know, uh, kind of sentiment surveys, you know, how are people feeling? Um, you know, and they, there's consumer sentiment surveys, there's um, uh, manager surveys, there's industrial production sort of things. And those come out and those anticipate a little bit more because, you know, we feel good if next week looks good. Um, and so that kind of maybe will give a little bit more detailed data, but there's just there's going to be a lot of different data points, and also with the whole country opening up at different rates, um, it's just going to be weird for a little while. All right. We have a guest this week, and it is Ivan Drury, a senior manager of the Insights Division at Edmonds, where he examines trends in the automotive industry and provides insights for Edmonds' monthly sales forecasts. So, Ivan, thanks for joining us this morning. Thanks for having me. So uh, car shopping looks a little bit different today than it did even in January. So how is car shopping changing uh, in the age of COVID-19? I think the biggest thing that's happened here is that we've kind of pushed the industry forward in a manner which usually doesn't happen. Automotive is kind of old school. Things are very traditional. And 
the idea of online shopping. While everyone looks online inventory, they see cars for sale, whether it be new or used. The idea that, you know, I'm going to fully transact online. That's probably been the largest shift, you know, in the industry. And it's happened so quickly because of COVID. And while some are, you know, kind of ahead of the game and they anticipated this or they've been kind of flirting with this idea for, you know, a few years, perhaps. Um, I think that any of the dealerships that you deal with today, they'll be kind of going all in because they know that that's definitely one of the ways that consumers want to transact during these uncertain times. Uh, and it's different in uh, different states, but have you seen that dealerships, car dealerships were listed as essential businesses uh, that stayed open during some of the state's stay-at-home orders across the country? So you're right. Initially, it was kind of murky from one state to the next, from one county. You know, people had different interpretations of what the laws were. But as of last week, um, dealerships were essentially deemed as essential beyond just service. So everyone kept their service stations open. It was one of those things where you knew that, say, you're uh, working where you're delivering things, you're an essential worker of sorts, and immediately you'd be impacted by that if your car broke down. So service stations stayed open, but sales was kind of a mixed results. But now every dealership has the green light to be open. And I think uh, anybody that's been in a car dealership, it is kind of a roomy uh, area. So have uh, has the showroom been able to adapt to some of our social distancing guidelines and, and manage to stay open? What does the showroom in uh, today's uh, car dealership look like? So the showroom is kind of a mixed results um, in the sense that because auto sales are down, a lot of dealerships had to furlough employees or cut down their hours. And many of them also said, look, you know, clearly those cars, people want to see them. They want to walk the lot. But some have basically turned that off. They said, you know what? We'll deliver the car to you. You want to take a test drive? We'll deliver the car, hand you the keys, have all the proper PPP available and let people, you know, conduct business away from the showroom. So if you do go to one and when things do reopen as we're starting to hear different dates for different states different counties opening their doors i would expect it to be a lot less foot traffic um, fewer salespeople, and that's really because auto sales in general are down about 30 40 percent across the board so there's not nearly as many people wandering around on lots uh, so that's interesting. So the uh, the test drive has been taken uh, to your your driveway, I guess, and then you can go from there. Yeah, you've, you've gone from uh, there were a few years ago, people were talking about virtual test drives, you know, or video test drives, things of that nature to now where they're just going to drive the car right up to your door, give you the keys. You take a couple laps of wherever you need to go and uh, conduct business in that manner. Uh, and as you kind of mentioned, um, the, the car business a little bit slow to adapt, but Internet sales departments, I think, have been a part of car dealerships for a while. But I imagine now uh, maybe from the corner office tucked in the back part of the showroom, they're getting a little bit more prominence. Right. There's definitely more focus that's been paid attention to the Internet end of the business. And that's everything from answering your email. If you're shooting a text or maybe if you've been on a dealer's website, you'll see a little chat come up and you'll have someone interacting with you right away. It'll be you know, a lot faster, and a lot more focused in that sense that really being the main avenue of business, it's going to have a lot more attention paid to it now. Whereas, like you said, in the past uh, for a lot of dealers, because, you know, people keep things in the family 
clear you can go to the same dealership for 20, 30 years. You might be dealing with the same person for that long. Maybe now you're going to be dealing with them online or over the phone. So there'll be different tools that they'll be using from one dealership to the next. You'll find they'll have little minor differences. Maybe it is that chat tool. or Maybe it is the way they answer the email. Some dealerships answer you with a, a personal one. Other ones might have an automated response, but you're definitely going to feel the difference. It's not going to be like shopping on Amazon exactly, but it's going to be very different from years prior. Uh, and knowing how quickly they approach you when you're at, on physically at the car, uh, a car lot, I imagine that little chat window is going to pop up pretty much uh, as soon as you log on to one of the sites, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, it will definitely follow you around and you'll, you'll get somebody very responsive because clearly they're not going to have uh, much else to do, right? Yeah. If you have a question for our experts about cars or your personal finance, you can also send an email. Send it to money at mpbonline.org. We'll continue our discussion with Ivan Drury from Edmunds.com about car buying after the break. This is Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Walker, the lady auto mechanic, host of AutoCorrect. If you're enjoying this podcast, try my podcast, AutoCorrect. We help steer you in the right direction with your car problems. Find me on any podcast platform or at autocorrect.mpbonline.org. The information presented on Money Talks is meant to provide general information about the topics discussed and is not necessarily the opinion of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. The information presented does not create any type of relationship between the hosts and guests and the listening audience. Please consult a financial advisor or any other qualified professional for guidance about your personal finance questions. You're listening to Money Talks. Our website, moneytalks.mpbonline.org, is one way to hear past Money Talks broadcasts. You can also download the MPB Public Media app and listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Kevin Farrell here with Ryder Taft, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives. To give you a heads up, the MPB program that follows us in legal terms will be discussing the federal legislation dealing with the COVID-19 pandemic. On Money Talks, we're visiting with Ivan Drury from the Ilon Vehicle on the online vehicle information site Edmunds.com. We'll resume with Ivan in just a minute, but we do have a caller to get to, so we say good morning to Herbert in Jackson. Herbert, go ahead, please. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, it was just a note I was making. I heard you earlier saying that, that most everybody that had electronic setups and received their check. Uh, that's really not the case. I have several coworkers. We have the same setup I do. Uh, I got mad the first day, but they have yet to receive theirs. And all of us have filed their taxes last year and this year, have electronic payment set up, and they haven't received their just a note. All right, Herbert, uh, thanks for that update. That's interesting information. So, um, Ryder, any thought on um, might, why there might be some delays? I guess it is just such, such a massive uh, uh, project that, 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 that the, the stimulus money is. 
Um, yeah, obviously it's a large undertaking, and you know, anytime that happens, uh, there will be delays and, and mistakes made. Um, I, I think you know, as far as correcting it, uh, uh, speaking with the IRS is one of the most difficult things do. Uh, they have been encouraging folks to go and uh, you can check the uh, of your of that uh, COVID payment and you can check and see what what uh, information, what bank information they have to send that to. Um, big caution is if you've done your taxes through a taxpayer that Ryder, we need to put you back on pause for a minute. We're, your phone line's breaking up in a minute, but the information that you said was a good one, and that is if someone has not received the the uh, money yet, uh, there is a way that uh, you can go to the IRS website uh, and check out that information, get the status of your update. Um, and so that that's a good thought uh, that if uh, someone, again, is um, hasn't received the money yet, uh, now might be this time to at least begin to start uh, checking. We're visiting today with Ivan Drury from the online vehicle information site, Edmunds.com. And uh, Ivan, here's an email that you might be able to help with. Uh, it says, I buy a car to keep until it dies. Recently, I accompanied a friend to buy a new car, and she decided to lease rather than buy after talking to the salesperson. She was told that leasing to buy when the lease is up is cheaper in the long run than buying the car up front. So, Ivan, if you would, what are your thoughts on the lease versus buy uh, question? So that particular situation, that really depends on when someone leases a car, say they keep it for that three years, and if they do want to buy it at the end, there's a buyout price at the end, and that's going to be based on the residual value, so what the captive financer thinks is worth in three years. So in some situations, it might actually be worthwhile. But in other ones, like in today's times, when you're having so many good incentive offers of you know long-term 0% financing or 0.9 or 1.9 financing, you really have to run the numbers and determine what's the total cost of ownership. So look at an amortization calculator, throw in those numbers of what the APR is during both the lease, which they call the money factor when you're leasing the car for those three years. But look at what it, the residual would then be to buy it out. And are you going to buy it out in cash? You're going to buy it out with finance. And you can work that out with the captive as well. If you currently have a vehicle and you say, look, you know what? I do want to buy it. And they're going to want to keep your business. They might throw you a nice, good, uh, subsidized incentive. But on the other end, if you're looking at cars today, right now, I'd say, you know, it'll take a little bit more legwork on your end. But run those numbers and see how much you're going to pay in total interest over time and what, how long do you really want to keep the car. Because there's two different mentalities to car ownership. One of them is buy and hold, drive it to the wheels fall off. Other people, they get a little edgy. They'll get nervous. They flip a car every two, three years. That can get you in negative equity situations. And I think that really if you run those numbers and you know yourself well enough as to what you you're going to do with that future car purchase, um, you can really come out ahead depending on you know what incentives are offered today. And I think uh, w- one thing about leasing that you do have to keep in mind, though, is that you have to stay current uh, with uh, maintenance and that sort of thing. Is that correct? Right. So some automakers, they'll pay for those things for you because they want that car to come back in good condition. They want to be able to resell it in tip-top shape, get maximum dollar for it. So some will pay for, you know, the maintenance and they'll help take care of those aspects of it. But 
when some people at least they do forget that component as well that it does need even the basics of an oil change or maybe it needs you know the tires rotate on a regular basis and they're going to want you to keep that up otherwise you might have to pay a bit of a penalty at the end it'd be the same thing as if you had too many door dings or you got to a minor accident get didn't get fixed or repaired it's basically they want the car handed back in the same condition they gave it to you a little bit of wear and tear makes sense but they want to be maintained all right. Uh, so you mentioned uh, some of the incentives and that sort of thing. So who do you think, what type of car buyer uh, is this a good atmosphere for? Who is the type of person you think would benefit from looking and buying a car at this time? I'd say, number one, steady employment. I mean, with so many people right now having to face the hardships of being either furloughed, um, completely let go, or not knowing where they stand employment-wise, I think that really it is, you know, if you're securing your job position or you really do have some good faith that, hey, you know what, I'll be back to it in two or three months, then, you know, perfect situation for you. Or if, you know, you're like, I, I can't turn away from the deals because they are so good and my expectations of the future are still positive no matter what, then, you know, you need a car, you need a car, right? So I think that for a lot of people, there are some very enticing deals. Some of these involve either deferred payments for 90 or 120 days. So you'll be looking at not making a payment until three to four months out from now. And many automakers are giving you essentially free money. And I always tell people that it's not even free. It's it's almost they're giving you additional money because if you're making, you know, more money three or four years from now, that $400, $500 car payment is less to you and you're not paying any interest on it. So I think that for a lot of folks who they do keep cars for seven years, 10 years, things of that nature is very it's a good thing. On the other hand, if you're someone who, you know, might want to look at leasing instead because you've noticed that you've turned in a car after two years and they said, well, you have negative equity of three thousand or five thousand dollars. We have to roll that debt into your next car loan. Then that's not your best thing to buy a car, even if it's at zero percent. I think that at that point, you should really think about leasing. Um, How competitive is the car business in that if one manufacturer has a program like you were mentioning, where they're starting to offer that 90 or 120 day deferral, do the other major players in the car biz want to try to jump on that and at least match, if not top it? Yeah, so that's the thing is that everybody kind of sits back, waits, and they watch to see, does it work? And the moment they see that another automaker's you know, incentives are working, you'll start to see someone begin to match that incentive. So you not only have the, you know, people like to shop dealerships against one another, but I say that the incentives themselves can sometimes be far more valuable than the discount you're going to get from one dealer to the next. So it's really about finding what car and write what incentives will work for you as well. And look at the dealerships and, you know, look at the ones that work best for you, whether it be proximity or the amenities they provide, things of that nature. But it's one of these things where we immediately saw, um, because automakers, they've seen downturns of this nature before. You know, 2008 wasn't even new to them, that you really can help spur auto sales. But at the same time, this is one of the things where, you know, even Hyundai uh, had an insurance program. It was if you lost your job, they would help you with your car payments, things of that nature. They know that, you know, automotive is one of the lifebloods of the American economy, and they kind of have to keep things going, not just for themselves, but for us. Uh, so you mentioned that. So are manufacturers, uh, the, the, for folks who have maybe financed through uh, the uh, manufacturer, are they offering um, breaks or help with uh, people who have been uh, lost their job due to COVID-19 and, and have trouble making payments? 
Yes. So if you are currently financing your vehicle and it can be through the captive, which the automaker uses, or maybe they use a, like a bank like JP Morgan or um, Wells Fargo or you know Bank of America, things of that nature. If you call and you do have hardship, many of them will be willing to work with you. And it's mutually beneficial. Um, so they want you to keep making payments, right? They don't want to have to repossess your car. And you know it's, it's just a bad situation all around. But on top of that, if they did, they would have to try to sell it in a market in which there really isn't a good market. Um, used values are down right now because there's not a lot of demand um, because both the new and used sales have slowed down. So you will be able to work with your lender, whether it's a finance situation or you're leasing. Um, we've heard that you can definitely you know, call them up and figure out either a new payment plan or defer some payments or leases. They'll extend the lease as well because, again, there's really not a lot of rationale for them to have it back right now. So they'd rather have you keep it than you know try to repossess the vehicle. Also, I would imagine uh, it might foster goodwill. In other words, if I bought from car company X and you know I like my car, but I have been laid off or furloughed and I'm having a little trouble paying for it, and the company says, okay, well, we'll we, we're going to cut you some slack, maybe I would consider my next car to buy that from that same car maker. Oh, certainly. Yeah. And then they're say a concept, but the idea of loyalty and automakers try to make vehicles that fulfill every single niche of your life. You know, they want to get you when you're 20 and all the way through. So it's really the idea of getting you in stages. And if they can build some goodwill, build some loyalty, I mean, they'll essentially pay for that loyalty in that regard. And there's even loyalty cash and bonuses because it is definitely one of the largest things is that we see that a lot of consumers, you go with what you know, right? People like to buy the same car over and over again, or they stay within that family of vehicles under the umbrella of a certain automaker because you trust them. I mean, this is something that, you know, typically, even if you keep it for just a couple years, all the way up to seven years or a decade, it's hard to suddenly just leave. It's like a relationship, right? Like it's like many things. You get very accustomed to it and familiarity is nice. We'll continue our discussion about your car finances with Ivan Drury from Edmunds.com in just a bit. Where can you go to get vehicle maintenance question answered? We'll have that for you next. This is Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Professor Richard Gershon from the University of Mississippi School of Law, host of In Legal Terms. If you're enjoying this podcast, I encourage you to listen to In Legal Terms, the show about you and your rights. We find interesting legal topics to bring to you and let you know how the law affects you. Find In Legal Terms on any podcasting platform on your smart device or on our website, inlegalterms.mpbonline.org. Money Talks is MPB Think Radio's personal financial broadcast. I'm Kevin Farrell, along with Ryder Tapp, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives. Ryder is a chartered financial analyst and also holds the Certificate in Investment Performance Measurement from the CFA Institute. If you have a question about maintenance on your current vehicle, MPB's AutoCorrect is broadcast Thursdays at 10 a.m. and available as a podcast and on the website autocorrect.mpbonline.org. Today on Money Talks, we're visiting with Ivan Drury from Edmunds.com, the vehicle information website about cars and car purchase. 
purchasing. And Ryder still here on the phone lines, ready to take your personal finance questions. So, Ivan, it uh, in terms of um, length of uh, car loans, we've seen the, that increase in the past couple of years, five, six, and now even seven-year loans. If you would, maybe talk about benefits and uh, pitfalls of stretching uh, your car payments out to, to that length of time. Yeah, so we've definitely seen the increase in lengthening of loans. Uh, for new cars, it's, the average is around 70 months, right? So we're almost looking at about six-ish years, and that's an interest rate of around 4.5%. So when you do the numbers and you look at also the purchase price, the average price of vehicle bond in the United States is around 37 k And when you look at those payments, you can see why people are beginning to stretch out that loan farther and farther. I mean, that old adage of, oh, you should only buy a car if you can pay it off in three years uh, has gone completely by the wayside. I mean, we're talking single digits, well less than, you know, two, three percent of consumers can actually buy a car, finance it and pay it off after two or three years. And the thing is that these loans, they're perfectly fine if you know what you're getting into. And, you know, I've kind of alluded to it earlier that if you're someone who trades in a car a bit too early and has, you know, that negative equity that you need to roll into the next loan, definitely a bad thing. But if you're looking at something where you're going to keep the vehicle and you're going to get, say, one of these incentivized um, interest rates that's, you know, very low, especially anything below, you know, 3 4% is, you know, a very good rate. And that's one of those ones where if you do keep it for the right amount of time and by right, I don't mean the entire length of the loan. Just once the trade in value is the same as what you owe so that when you do trade in, say, if you you're like at year four, most of these payments, if it's a five or six year loan, you'll be in a positive situation. You won't have to pay any money just to get out of your car. So I think that a lot of people when they're looking at that next purchase and especially nowadays because technology and cars and if you're driving even a five or six year old car right now you get into something new it can be a world of difference and that can be anything from a mid-sized car and pickups have changed drastically over the last seven years so it'd be a world of difference if you're really you know tempted to get into a new car um, look at that trade-in value get multiple offers online because now you can even go online and there's instant offers but check that difference against what you owe but you know after four or five years you should be in a pretty good situation you know, I'm one of those that likes to hold on to a car till the wheels fall off. And so uh, it was funny when you mentioned the th- idea about someone when you get a car after several years in the technology. I remember when I was doing a test drive in my car, uh, I said, well, where's the CD player? And the the uh, the, the salesman just kind of gave me a look like, what are you talking about? <laughs> so I know what you're talking about. And, and that was and that's to me was part of the fun of it is that I was so used to driving this old beat up thing. And now all of a sudden I'm like, wow, look at all these gizmos and gadgets. So it's kind of cool if you're able to do that. To, to enjoy the new technology when you do buy that new car. I think that's yeah, a very that's good point so about the technology there. Uh, and, and, and one thing as well going into kind of, you know, does it make sense to go for a longer loan is uh, cars last a lot longer these days. Uh, kind of average age of cars on the road has gone up, you know, it was like eight, eight years old in the 90s. Uh, cars were not, you know, they, they lasted eight years. Uh, nowadays, people are driving them for 11 and 12 years. 
so your cars are lasting longer. Uh, so it makes it does make some sense if it's going to get you the car you know that has the technology that you want, the safety features that you need uh, to to stretch out those payments just a little further if that's what makes it fits in your budget. And I mean, I thought what you the point you made was a good one too. Is that uh, you know to at least hold it long enough to where you're not underwater uh, should you try to trade it in uh, on a new car. Uh, we've got a caller on the line, and it's Michelle, who's called in from Meridian. Michelle, you're on the air with us. Go ahead, please. Good morning. Morning. I have a question. Uh, I drive a Prius V. It's uh, 2013. Great mileage, no problems. But I do know that if I have to replace the hybrid battery, it's going to be very expensive. So I've been thinking about getting uh, a Subaru or something along that lines. And if there's zero percent interest, uh, there's no benefit in offering to pay cash for it. Is that correct? Ivan, any thoughts on that? Yeah, so I mean, really, when it comes to the zero interest loans and how much money you want to put down versus, um, you know, or financing the entire thing, most dealerships, because if you are of the right, you know, credit tier and you're going to get a zero percent, the negotiable part of the price, it's not going to change too much. I mean, there's really no benefit and there's not going to be a lot of difference there for them. So I'd say at that point, and when you compare one dealer to the next and what their offering prices are, you're going to find that a lot of those guys, they're even going to be in line with one another, too. Um, it's not like a you know, 20, 30 percent difference from one dealer to the next. And, you know, I always tell people you're almost you're shopping the dealerships for their amenities, the salesperson that you like, uh, the ratings and reviews you see online or people, you know, who work or have worked with the dealership in the past uh, far more so then, you know, someone's going to offer you thousands less. But as far as the difference between paying cash and financing it, um, it's not going to make too much of a difference. Uh, Michelle, also, I'd like to add our producer, Liz Gill, uh, pointed out that uh, our Thursday morning at 10 a.m. show, AutoCorrect, uh, the, lady auto mechanic, uh, the lady auto mechanic, Allison Walker, who is the host of that, has a Prius, and she has some information about replacing the battery on there. So if you're available and listening Thursday morning at 10, uh, you might want to give her a call and get some insight into that uh, issue that you're having with your Prius. That'd be great. Thank you so much. All right, Michelle, thanks for the call. This is Money Talks on MPB Think Radio, visiting today with Ivan Drury from Edmunds.com. So, Ivan, uh, is this the time of year where dealers are normally trying to get rid of uh, current uh, inventory to make room for, for new vehicles coming onto the lot? Yeah, this is definitely an interesting time because we saw such a slowdown in sales in March that vehicles that should have left the dealership doors and should have been, you know, onto their happy new owners, especially these, they're still 2019s that were being sold in March. And it was a high percentage of vehicles. It was almost one out of five vehicles being sold was still from the old model year. And, you know, they're brand new cars, but they're from a year ago, technically. And the thing is that with our slowdown, we've seen that these vehicles are still on the lot so don't be surprised if you're looking for a new car and you see a 2019 that's available and you'll even notice that some automakers they're very well aware that they need to help incentivize and help get rid of these vehicles you'll see that they are being offered with incentives on top of whatever discount the dealership has so i think that for a lot of consumers it's going to be an interesting time because normally you'd see you know the current model here and even something perhaps if a, a new or redesigned cars coming out, you would see maybe the 2021 is already out. But there's going to be an interesting mix 
of what's available in the showroom floor today. Uh, what about the the car supply line? Has there been any disruptions in uh, that uh, process of getting cars from manufacturers to dealers, or has that been fairly uh, uh, safe in this time? So we still had vehicles being delivered to dealers' lots. Um, at some point, though, there was the issue of actual space. Um, a lot of dealerships, because they weren't turning over cars as fast, they weren't selling as many quickly, it became kind of an issue. Uh, but the, I said good thing. But the dealerships, they weren't receiving as many later on because we had the automakers shut down the factories. Um, there were so many concerns over, you know, coworkers testing positive for COVID and the UAW essentially said, you know, we don't want our people on the factory floors until we can really sort this out, until we can get more science behind it. And while auto dealers, and we'll start getting deliveries again on a more regular basis in the months to come, the factories are kind of set to start on May the 18th. And that's, you know, it seems like a world away, especially when we're sitting home all day long. But at some point, we will get back to that regular cadence of having vehicles delivered. Uh, interestingly enough, Nissan has a plant here in Mississippi. It's in Canton, Mississippi, and it closed down on March 20th, but had planned to reopen uh, this week. So are we seeing that maybe some of the, uh, the uh, automotive plants are beginning to reopen? Right. So we're definitely seeing some of the automotive plants start up again. Um, I think everyone's kind of aware that, you know, there's been efforts from certain automakers to help with ventilator production. So there's been factory employees who have been trained on, you know, shifting over from what their, their typical duties are to making ventilators. And I think that a lot of auto workers, you know, they're very adaptable. They've used to making changes on the fly every single year. Something changes in a car that they're working on helping to produce. So, you know, once everyone's say back up to normal um, we'll get that cadence of vehicle deliveries back up and you know if we can get the ventilators produced in time for everyone and on top of that you know get the volumes out there as soon as possible we'll continue talking about vehicle sales in the age of the coronavirus pandemic with ivan drury from edmunds.com after a quick break you're listening to money talks on mpb think radio Dr. Jimmy Stewart, Professor of Internal Medicine and Pediatrics at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. On the original Southern Remedy, we answer questions about all aspects of your health and share some of the latest medical information in the news. You can listen to the show on Wednesdays at 11 on MPB Think Radio, or you can subscribe to the podcast by searching for Southern Remedy on your preferred podcasting app. We're pleased you found our show Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Ryder Taft, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives. Uh, We have an email here for Ryder that our producer Liz Gill is going to share with us. Hey, Ryder, this is from Cindy in Jackson. 
She says, what do you do when you try to update your AGI, your annual gross income amount owed to the IRS, and add a new checking account and routing number on the IRS.gov website, and it gives an error message that says information doesn't match and you don't have a way of getting your AGI from the IRS for the 2018 tax year that taxes were paid through another account. Um, yeah, so it sounds like she's either trying to check the status of her refund or COVID payments, or she is trying to, uh, sounds like, maybe add a new bank account because she doesn't have the old bank account, uh, telling them where to send the money. Um, and again, this is an important point. I think a lot of folks' questions about, you know, where is my payment, y- you know, Again, logging into uh, the IRS, irs.gov slash coronavirus, um, you can track your payment. You can supply them with new um, with new payment info, new bank account info. So one issue with you know how they verify your identity a lot of times is they you know ask you a couple of questions from a past tax return, and very often it's the AGI, your adjusted gross income. And if you don't know that, you know, maybe you have maybe you have uh, an old copy of your, you know, they usually go a year back, you know, an old copy of your 2019 or 2018 uh, tax return. You can just type it in. It's right there. However, that's not always accurate. I, I had this problem myself uh, when I was verifying my identity to do the free fillable forms. And they said, my AGI didn't match. What you can do, you can create an account on irs.gov. I'm not there right now to see exactly where to click, but you can create an account to get an old copy of your uh, tax return. I believe they call it a tax return transcript. I'm not I'm not quite sure if they made any adjustments to it or just some for some reason, you don't have the exact number. You can... It's kind of a convoluted process, but you'll have to create an account to get an old copy of your tax returns, uh, find the AGI there, uh, the adjusted gross income, and then go to the other spot to uh, put in your new, you know, as she was trying to do, put in her new banking information and identify her, uh, get her identity verified that way. It's a little convoluted, but you can get an old copy from them. All right. Uh, we are on Money Talks today visiting with Ivan Drury from Edmunds.com. And, uh, Ivan, w- what I did for my last vehicle purchase was went with a late model used car. So if you would maybe talk about uh, uh, maybe some advantages of, of trying to find a late model used car to buy. Well, Kevin, you've done what uh, I almost highly recommend every single time, and I've actually bought many used cars. I think I'm going on like a dozen or so myself, (laughs) and um, I've bought them, whether they be off-lease or even from a rental agency, where you usually get a pretty good discount, especially if you're not buying direct from a rental agency. It's another avenue of purchase, but when we talk about these vehicles that are two or three years old, uh, most of the time, these are going to be off-lease, and even, you know, I know Mississippi leasing isn't a huge huge component to car buying out there but these off-lease vehicles they come from out of state you know you'll find a lot of two three old cars on the local dealer's lot they'll be from say florida california new york where people lease a lot and they'll find their way to your local dealership and on average the savings if you look at a new car versus a used car it's around 15 to 17 thousand dollars and you're going to get a lot of bang for your buck because you know as we mentioned earlier 
these leased vehicles still require maintenance. Some of the automakers even pay for that maintenance for you to come in and bring it in and keep it in tip-top shape. And they'll only take back, you know, especially once they go down the road of a certified used car, that one will have an extended warranty. You might even get an incentivized APR on a used car, which most people think, well, I'm buying a used car. You know, why would I get even, I've had, you know, I know people get cash back. Like if someone had a, a BMW that recently had a $1,500 cash rebate on a used car. And so that's another avenue of purchase that I think a lot of people kind of forget about is that certified pre-owned especially those will come with incentives almost very similar to a new car but you know clearly you're getting a lot of benefits of the used car mainly depreciation you're not having to eat that first and second year which is definitely the largest you know chunks of depreciation come out of that new car in that first and second year and you know riders mentioned it earlier as well you know cars and the length of ownership has increased partially because people have noticed that their cars aren't breaking down so they're not finding the need or they're not being spurred by say a you know six thousand dollar repair or something that's just not happening and the used car becomes even more appealing, especially when we look at times of recession. So, you know, as we begin to come out of the recession, whether it be three months from now, six months from now, whatever the time period, um, used options become very, very valuable for customers because you can save a lot of money. And, you know, especially if you take the mentality of driving until the wheels fall off, it definitely was a very appealing um, car purchase. Uh, so what does that term certified pre-owned car mean? So certified pre-owned cars are used vehicles that can only be sold through a new car dealer franchise. And by that, I mean, if it's a new car dealer that sells Hondas, well, they can only sell certified pre-owned Hondas. Um, if it's a Ford dealer, a brand new Ford dealer, they can only sell certified pre-owned Fords. And those vehicles will come with extended warranties. They'll come with a 130, 160 point inspection where you can literally see every single one of the components that has been checked or adjusted or has been replaced. And, you know, they'll go line item by line item with you and really walk you through the reasons why you know this vehicle qualifies for certification you know earlier i was talking about you know whether it be door dings little accidents each automaker has different standards for their certified pre-owned vehicles really what qualifies and you'll even notice that certain dealerships they'd like to stock a lot of them and it's kind of a an all or nothing mentality either i certify and keep the best on hand for use or maybe i just pick and choose the ones that i think really need to be certified and yes of course there's a price premium to be paid in some instances though you'll find out it's not nearly as much as one would think i mean i've seen as little 700 to a thousand dollars for a certified pre-owned version uh, versus a standard unit and you're getting so many assurances that come with that certified pre-owned car that it's it's almost like buying new but you really you're just not paying the price for it and you know we talked about loyalty earlier and that's the reason why a lot of these automakers go through with the trouble of having a certified pre-owned program is that they want to buy your loyalty and many customers find out that after they've owned one of these cars that they start thinking about you know maybe i'll buy one of the new ones or maybe i'll lease a new one or maybe i'll just buy another certified pre-owned vehicle so i think there's a lot of benefits there that some consumers 
consumers aren't aware of or if they're leery if you're on the fence you think ah, you know i really like that new model well if that new model hasn't been redesigned in the last three four years you might actually find it's you know used equivalent it's certified pre-owned equivalent on the other side of the lot and save yourself you know ten to fifteen thousand dollars all right, Ivan, got about a minute left. If you would, tell us a little bit about uh, Edmunds.com and, and the type of information that uh, car buyers, prospective car buyers can find on your site. Yeah, so Edmunds.com has been around on the web since 1996. Um, I used it when I was back in high school to shop for vehicles <laughs> and look for information. I, I'm very grateful to be working for them now. And there's everything from the pricing of vehicles as to what we see in our transaction data. We call it the true market value, uh, whether it be a new vehicle or used vehicle. And that applies for purchasing new or your trading value if you're trading in to look forward to something else and you can find dealership inventory we have an editorial section that has aspects of ownership of purchasing of if you like fast fun cars there's plenty of content there and i don't think there's a single subject about automotive that we do not cover in one format or another it might be an article it might be a video it might be you know listening to someone like me on the phone right? Right. So it's it's every aspect of auto ownership that's going to wrap us up for today money talks is a production of mpb think radio funded in part by generous financial support from you our listeners to hear today's show or previous show you can visit moneytalks.mpbonline.org or listen to the podcast just search for money talks on your favorite podcasting app our show was produced today by liz gill so for Ryder Taff and our guest Ivan Drury from Edmunds.com. I'm Kevin Farrell. Join us every Tuesday at 9 a.m. for Money Talks, heard only on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. 